Welcome to the October 23rd edition of the PFF Forecast. I'm George. We've got a great show ahead. We've got Ben and Brad. We're going to break down what we just watched in week seven. Talk a little bit about who should be buying and who should be selling with the trade deadline fast approaching. Talk a little bit about the concept of going all in. We saw the 49ers go very much all in on Christian McCaffrey, and uh, that paid off as they beat the brakes off of the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, they did not. Wait, okay. Um, well, we'll talk about that. That'll be fun. And then we're going to guess the lines with uh, Arjun. It's going to be a great show. Let's rock. is in the books uh we probably should have started this podcast at halftime because uh turns out the the Steelers and the Dolphins had no interest in scoring any points um how did your uh how did your week sevens go from a betting perspective Ben yeah I mean I was I would say I was in like a pit of misery or whatever the kids say nowadays uh after the first slate of games I was the Colts, I don't I don't think I've gotten the Colts right that yet this year. Uh so that was pretty bad for me. Thankfully the Browns covered against uh our Ravens and the Bengals won as well. Pretty handily against the Falcons. But yeah, the Colts were a really bad spot for me. Uh and then I did kind of buy into the Jaguars uh beating the Giants. I do think that's a spot that uh, I, I just need to reevaluate a little bit more. I know we talked about it two weeks ago with the New York Giants specifically and how surprising their start has been. And they kind of still very much seem to uh, be performing well above expectation, even the betting market expectation right now. I still can't figure out quite what that is. But yeah, those were uh, definitely my two biggest misses, I would say, in week seven so far. This was... Yeah, by far my best week of the year, um, which was a very, very pleasant Sunday. And I think I deserve it heading into tomorrow's massacre of the Chicago Bears. But uh, yeah, went, went four and one on the, the picks I gave out last Sunday uh, with obviously, you know, the Patriots pending, but also uh, teased Raiders and Dolphins. Uh, and then right before the game, kind of a hedge was like, you know what, seven and a half. It, I got the hook on Pittsburgh. It moves it from seven to seven and a half. I figure, hey, you know what? Little hedge action, why not? Hit the middle, which was nice. So, you know, I got both sides of that bad boy. Uh, so I'm feeling pretty good heading into tomorrow night. Oh, look at you. Yeah, that, that actually bodes well for us tomorrow. Uh, the um, locks of the week, we did a, a trio this week. We had DeAndre Hopkins over five and a half receptions. That cash is the lock of the century on Thursday night. We had Browns plus uh, six and a half as our Sunday lock of the week. That looked it, tenuous before the game, Brad, you were scaring the daylights out of me with all the injury news. Um, it looked tenuous during the game when they were down 10 and they managed uh, to cover there. And tomorrow we have Patriots uh, minus eight, I think is the number that we got it at. So this means that the karma is in good shape for you to just get absolutely destroyed as a Bears fan. Uh, for me, I don't know that I had any bad beats today. I um, had the Falcons in the super contest and that uh immediately did not feel very good right. i've also i don't know if anyone is still restoring the roar but like can we I, we're gonna talk buyers and sellers here in a second i think dan campbell should just start selling everything that he has because uh it, it looks really really terrible there coming out of a buy and scoring six points 
is pretty pathetic. And I thought, you know, the defense, I mean, Jeffrey could have 15 tackles today, um, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, so uh, those are my, my bad beats. Um, but great, um, great W by the, or cover, I should say, by the, um, by the Brownies. And uh, what else did broke well for me today? Um, I guess I had a couple, I was three and one in my bets from, from last Sunday night, which was, uh, was good. I will say this. I think my happiness for the week is going to hinge on whether the Patriots can cover uh, eight points against, against Justin Fields. Um, Let's, let's talk about um, uh, kind of this week. Okay. So there's a lot of interesting news that came out of uh, over the course of this week. And then this weekend, we saw a lot of interesting results that then happened. What was your guys one big takeaway? We'll start with you, Ben, uh, from this weekend. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I know we kind of talked about this segment last week as well, but is it, are you going to buy or sell uh, the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as being like legitimate contenders? I think very much, uh, you know, we were kind of on the bandwagon, the fact that these guys, they, they, they need to do something if they actually even want to compete in what is a really down NFC. And I think that is all the more apparent, obviously, losing to what I would consider, uh, you know, the worst team in the league in the Carolina Panthers from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers perspective. And then I don't really think, you know, the Washington Commanders are all that far off, uh, you know, being the worst team in the NFL as well. And so the Green Bay Packers, I think, are even in a worse boat than uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are right now. And I don't think either one of them, you know, are are, are going to... If they make the playoffs, are they even going to be favored in the first in, in the wild card round? And I do think that that is very much like a real fact. And, and unless like some drastic changes happen, uh, those are two teams that I think the market's going to be overvaluing here for the next three to five weeks of the season. Wow, Brad, what about you? Yeah, I would say you know, kind of like Ben was talking earlier, try to read the market and get a gauge of maybe where I'm seeing teams differently. And you nailed the Seattle Seahawks this past week. I didn't take the Chargers, but I, you know, I guess they would be laying more points than they were. I thought it was a little bit short. I didn't take it. And Seattle beat the brakes off, and they are a a team that I have simply been undervaluing for a long time. And then, kind of a tangential takeaway on that team, it's it's funny. In the draft, you think like you know, you talk about like, trying to have two or three hits per year. Seattle had maybe two of the greatest draft classes of all time in 2012 and 2013. Then we're just awful for a decade. They now have both starting tackles, both starting corners, a good rotational edge in Boye Mafe. And of course, you know, Kenneth Walker, we probably think he went a little early, but he looks really damn good uh, so far in his play. So it's funny how like there's not a lot of consistency, but every once in a while you hit on six picks in a year and it can change the entire trajectory of your team in, in short order. Damn it. You stole mine, Brad. That, that was the, the big thing. It's okay. It's okay. We can jump, uh, join in on, on the Seahawks bandwagon. Um, pe- there, there are people out there on the internet that want me to apologize for a bunch of different things. Uh, the, the Seattle Seahawks fans have been relatively quiet, but I issued an apology to Pete Carroll. I came on this podcast over the course of the summer and I was like, you know, this was a, a joke by the management and ownership of the Seattle Seahawks. They chose an aging head coach uh, who seems to not understand offensive football in 2022 um, over Russell Wilson, who's been a top five quarterback for the majority of his career. Now, I don't think the Russell Wilson thing, like there are a lot of other contextual factors there. It looks like Nathaniel Hackett is really lost. He's been injured. So I don't necessarily want to say like Russell Wilson stinks, but Pete Carroll, I mean, the fact, I don't know if I'm over indexing on Tariq Woolen. 
But like the fact that this dude pulled Richard Sherman twice, right. <laughs> and I'm not gonna, you know, I don't think it's fair to say like Tariq Woolen is gonna be, you know, one of the three best corners or you know maybe the best corner of his generation. But you know, kind of, you, you do it once, that's great. You start to do it again, like oh my god, you know. Right. And the Geno Smith thing, um, Russell Wilson was a guy that no one really, you know, that everyone sort of wrote off in the draft process. And and Pete Carroll picked him up and and turned that that team into a really great unit with him. People wrote off Geno Smith. He's done the same thing. Geno Smith's playing ridiculously well. And here was the big. Here's my big. The reason I'm making this my big takeaway. They're playing the Chargers, and all week, what did we hear? Right. So we, last Sunday night, you know, it was one of it was one of the plays that I made. Brad, you're right. That's probably my, my the most correct play that I had of all week. And had them in the super cut or the circumillions contest. And all week that number got steamed down. I think it closed four and a half. People were betting the living daylights out of the Los Angeles Chargers. And, you know, you heard every single person that had any access to betting data was like, you know, 85% of the cash is on the uh is on the Chargers. Here's here you're on the Seahawks. Here's the uh here's the data on you know teams that are uh, getting 80 plus percent of the cash. You know, be wary, all these different things. And the Seahawks came out and, and dominated the game. Their best player got hurt in the first quarter. DK Metcalf was the only thing that people thought was worthwhile for the Seahawks to right. even keep around going into this, this year. He gets hurt, and it didn't matter. Geno Smith was dropping dimes to Marquise Goodwin, to Noah Fant. Noah Fant was, was someone that couldn't play ahead of – uh, Albert Okwe Boonham, who can't even get uh, snaps for the, the Broncos anymore. Um, and that that defense uh, that people were just writing off, you know, left and right, was making plays on the ball against an MVP candidate with his full complement of weapons, I might add. Keenan Allen was back today at home in a really big game for them, right? They, they needed to come through and win that game with how the Chiefs were playing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that the Seahawks... I don't want to say are for real, but a team that probably should have been a seller, you know, at, at this point, and we'll, we'll jump into this, I think now, um, I think in an NFC that you just pointed out has some teams that suck. Like, should the Seahawks be buying to try and make some sort of a, uh, some sort of a playoff run? I can't believe I'm saying that, but um, they, they look to be, uh, uh, you know, certainly a contender at least for a, a playoff spot and maybe to be a team that, is uh, to be feared in the playoffs. Um, Brad, would you agree, and, and maybe we'll get into the buyers and sellers here now, um, that they should be a team that would that would go in and, and make some plays at the trade deadline? It's interesting because their entire division, every team has already made a play or has tried to make a play. Obviously, your 49ers, I know you're excited, you know, ecstatic about the move for Christian McCaffrey. Oh, we'll I'm ready. I'm, that. I'm uh, yeah. whistle here to get ready. I said that mid-sip of water, so you'll, you'll almost spit it out as a, you know, a spit take. But, yeah, you know, obviously the Cardinals trading for Marquise Brown, trading for Robbie Anderson, you know, making a bunch of moves. And the Rams will do something, I'm sure, in the next 10 days, you know, given who they are. So I think that skews both ways. Do you want to follow suit with them or do you want to stay patient Save up all these savings, get ready to maybe pay Geno Smith some big money um, and, and make some other moves this offseason. I, I think they would explore. I, I don't see why you wouldn't 
make a small move here or there, maybe a veteran edge rusher on a bad team so you can add some juice. Um, you know, opposite of Chen and Wosu, Darrell Taylor still, you know, had a good game today, but nothing special. That would be maybe something I would look into is adding a, you know, rotational edge rusher, kind of like Melvin Ingram to the Chiefs last year. Not not Brian Burns, not not a rotational edge rusher. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this, Brad. So the, the rumor was that a team offered two firsts, and everyone said, well, that has to be the Rams. I didn't even know the Rams had first-round picks no. still, still, still to provide. Do you know if that was the Rams? And if so, what did they offer? So I don't know for certain, but I really think that is probably the case. If you look at our numbers, I mean, their edge group is last in pressures for us. It's all Aaron Donald. Leonard Floyd is just not a pass rusher. He's a good run defender. He's a good player, but there's not, not he doesn't win one-on-one matchups. And so they have a, they do have a 2024 and a 2025, which is as far out as you're allowed to trade as of right now. Um, the thing, too, though, I want to I point out, because everyone keeps talking about is two firsts. People will forget Khalil Mack was two first, but they sent a second round pick back. So it's mm-hmm. not like Brian Burns is just getting two first round picks. I'm sure there was also some other picks moving different directions. But yeah, long as I don't know who it was. I'm sure we'll find out. My guess is those Rams. Um, I want to get your take, Ben, on the kind of go all in mentality, because so here it comes. I'm going to talk about the, uh, the Christian McCaffrey stuff. Um, by the way, I was enjoying a lovely evening. Uh, I was in Santa Barbara, went out to a nice dinner, my girlfriend, her sister and, and her sister's boyfriend, wonderful evening. And, uh, we're going to get a, a last drink, uh, after dinner. And I see, yeah, I see the news come up on my phone. And, um, the only thing I, before I saw that, <laughs> you know, I didn't know what the, the compensation was yet. And I was just like, for the sake of my relationship, I really hope that the compensation isn't something crazy because I'm going to lose my freaking mind. And you see come through, you know, basically a charcuterie board of, um, of, of picks. And the first thing that, that crept into my mind, aside from like, holy fuck, was do we even have these? I didn't know, even know we had all these picks to trade. Like we must be literally giving everything up, just scraping the bottom of the pan to find things that we owe. And, um, you know, look, I, I'll say this, Christian Caffrey is like one of my favorite players in the NFL. I'm, I'm from the Bay area, he played at Stanford dude is really, really good at football. This was a, a joke of a trade. I mean, and you saw it play out today, right? The Carolina Panthers missed him, missed him zero. Their running backs romped all over the place in, in their beat down of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jeff Wilson like doubled up Christian McCaffrey's yards per carry today. I don't know what Jeff Wilson did wrong besides not being a, the eighth pick in the NFL draft. Jeff Wilson has shown really, really well as a UDFA, by the way, in, uh, in uh, rushing yards over expected, flashed again today. Um, and, and here's the big thing. And this is why I sort of have a little bit of an issue with this kind of go all in bonanza, which is, If you are going to go get a player to go all in with, and that player doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things when you have to play another really good team, and that's the the only players that really matter there are are going to either be a great quarterback or a player that can play with a great quarterback in those situations where you have to throw the ball. I mean, the San Francisco 49ers made that move to win a Super Bowl. You aren't even competitive at home against – the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that you you know obviously would have to beat or a team better than them potentially to win to win the Super Bowl, and going to get a running back who isn't going to make that difference for your quarterback to become elite, I just thought was was kind of pathetic. 
Um, but you've seen all these other teams go in, you know, the Broncos obviously with Russell Wilson. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. Ben, what did you make of that trade? And what do you kind of make of what we've seen so far through seven weeks of this kind of go all in uh, mentality that teams are having? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll first, I have to give a shout out to, I would say, the, the OG uh, PFF forecast listeners and those sorts of people. But this was something that, you know, you and Eric kind of harped on pretty considerably last year with the Los Angeles Rams, right? And it was, you know, maybe maybe you shouldn't be doing this. Maybe you shouldn't necessarily be mortgaging your future for, you know, one or two guys that may do a little bit in separating over the top. And it did actually work out for the Los Angeles Rams. But I would say, you know, some of the hardest habits to break and some of the hardest lessons to learn are the ones where it might look like you were somewhat successful at first. That's why if you like go into a casino and you win for the first time, often those are those are the people that kind of turn into a little bit of a degenerate type gambler because they had some early success probably doing stupid stuff that they shouldn't have done in the casino. And then that reassurance kind of builds up in them. And then they're kind of doing that every single time. And then eventually they go broke. They go broke. And I'm looking at it and there's a lot of teams, I would say, uh, around the NFL that feel like they're maybe, you know, one or two players away. But like you said, at a position that isn't necessarily going to actually get you over the hump against a really good team, against a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes. And I think you saw that play out today. I mean, you know, even even a guy like Nick Bosa, who is, you know, very much, I would say, a, a defensive player of the year candidate, really doesn't have a huge impact on this particular game because it, unless Jimmy Grapple can go toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and win in a shootout-type environment, there's just no way that San, the San Francisco 49ers can win this matchup. So I, I think that, you know, very much I would, I'm still against, you know, the all-in mentality. I think, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the CLC Hawks. They could be a team that maybe makes a move towards the trade deadline. We have Geno Smith, I think, as like the, the, the second-best offensive quarterback from a PFF grading perspective through the first seven weeks of the season so far, pending grades for Week 7. That would maybe be a team that has a strong case for it but again they also you know have DK Metcalf it looks like a somewhat serious injury so unless they're maybe doing something to upgrade at that position uh, I would be you know very much opposed to them giving any sort of draft pick type compensation uh, in order to kind of land one guy that I still don't think is necessarily going to get them you know over the top either in the NFC or actually in winning that Super Bowl and I do think that that absolutely has to be you know the the sole reason and goal when you're actually making one of these moves. Yeah, it just needs to be, be made really clear to people. Tariq Woolen was a fifth-round pick. There's, right. there's some fans out there that are really angry about trading, giving up fifth-round picks. I don't want to mention them specifically. I'm not sure they, they deserve that, uh, given uh, what happened today. I don't think they need they need to be kicked in the shins here. But that building through the draft, you know, I think teams look at or, or fans look at something like the 49ers throwing in, you know, a bunch of those late round picks. Like, God, oh, those guys are never going to turn into anything. And it's like when you look at a team and you say like, oh, wow, there are 22 guys on the field here, between offense and defense, a bunch of really important players that probably play in sub packages. Like those players don't just come from nowhere, right? <laughs> you, right. Need to, you need to draft them somewhere. You had the Broncos, the Raiders um, made some big plays this offseason. They're two and five. The Chargers, who, who I think were – if it weren't for the Seahawks would have been my big takeaway today, which is if their offense, like I, I don't know how Joe Lombardi is still their offensive coordinator um, a- after this bye, uh bye week, they have a bye this week. Um, it was pathetic against the Seattle Seahawks, the team that, you know, as we talked about, we think we're good, but like, man, 
that was really rough. Um, Brad, how do you think, you know, the league often kind of is a, it's a copycat league, right? So are there going to be any, you know, maybe learnings that teams are actually going to implement this season? Do you think it happens next season? Like, what do you make of this whole thing? So I do think there is just a, a league-wide trend now of teams being more realistic with where they're at and being willing to, if you're a buyer and think you can go all in, you can find a team that knows they're bad like Carolina and make a deal. And I think that is good for the league. I think it's good for fans. I think it's understandable in certain degrees. Obviously here, I think we kind of agree where it stands. Just really quickly, anecdotally, but I mean like George Kittle, Talanoa Hufanga, Dre Greenlaw, like these, these, these picks have turned into really, really good players right. for this team specifically. But but yeah, so I, I think that is a good thing. I think it's fun. I think it's, it's, it's cool to see the deadline not just be a totally dead deadline like it has in the past. And I think we will see more of that. I think also when a team in your division or your conference makes a move, it spurs further action and other teams want to copy them. Um, so yeah, you, you have to be careful. It, it kind of goes both ways. But the biggest thing is teams no longer viewing sunk costs. Christian McCaffrey is leaving behind the largest dead cap hit for a non-quarterback in NFL history. He surpassed Khalil Mack, who did that a couple months ago. Like Teams are willing to no longer buy into, oh, we paid this guy this amount of money or we restructured his deal, so therefore we shouldn't move him. He's the face of the franchise, yada, yada. They're not letting that stop them from doing things. I think that's awesome for, like I said, really everyone I think benefits. It's just you got to know how to navigate it and not, you know, mortgage on Jimmy Garoppolo when he's your quarterback. Frankly, you need to have the quarterback set, I think, to do these type of moves. I don't know, man. I I looked at Jimmy Garoppolo and I said, that's that's a Super Bowl winning quarterback. That, that's who I'm investing everything in. Here's the crazy thing about what the Niners did. And you know, John Lynch came out and was like, you know, one of the reasons the compensation went up is because they restructured CMC's contract. So, you know, the, 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 and you can explain this better than I can, Brad, like that, you know, the, the cap hit this year was way lower, right? Is that, this is a huge quote really quick. This was massive because like Von Miller, the reason last year he got a second and a third round pick to Denver was not just because he's Von Miller. It's because they ate nine and a half million dollars of salary by doing the conversion at the deadline. Mm-hmm. We've never had a GM recognize like they did a restructure this off season and therefore we're acknowledging that. I think every other GM in the league just like bookmark that tweet and saved it for later. But yeah, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as if that was the reason like, Oh, we had to give up a ton for him and, and here's why, you know, kind of situation. Um, but what I think is really interesting about this move is not just the faith in Jimmy Garoppolo for this year, but the faith in Trey Lance going forward. Right. Like you have no capital to do anything. You can't draft another quarterback. You can't trade up to go get another quarterback. Like, you know, and what we've seen from Trey Lance has been really bad. Now, granted, it's been very little, but that was the other super confusing thing about it. It's, it's, a, it's a great point, right? George Kittle, fifth round pick, right? Like these guys that are star players in the league are not all top you know, that want first or second round picks. And there are obviously some really good ones out there. And you want those premium positions. Um, but it's super interesting. Let's get into buyers and sellers here. Uh, and let's just start. Let's go around the horn at teams that we think should be buyers. If you've got a top three here, and I'll start with you, Brad, teams that should be buying. And if there's anything you kind of know about what they might be buying or, or they might be looking for, um, drop those nuggets as well. Yeah, so first one for me is the Dallas Cowboys, and I think it's in part because they were sellers this offseason and letting Randy Gregory leave, trading Amari Cooper away, not re-signing Cedric Wilson, who doesn't even play in Miami anymore, apparently. 
They were very frugal this offseason. I think now, I legitimately think that might be the second best team in the NFC Conference. You have a lot of money saved up. You have your full slate of picks, and you're getting Tyron Smith back later. I've heard a little bit of rumblings of them maybe checking out on some wide receivers. Not a massive move, but calling around about maybe a number two, number three type of guy. Um, They're my number one buyer. Number two is still Green Bay, as bad as they are. Um, I think Chase Claypool, there was a tweet from Ian Rappaport today that the Steelers may now hang on to him, but maybe after tonight's loss that changes. I believe he is the target in Green Bay. If they do make a move, it's for Chase Claypool. Um, and Those are my two big buyers. I won't make up a third one, but those two, I think it makes sense where they're at to make a move. Uh, I'll go real quickly, Ben, because I didn't I didn't have a super long list. Dallas was one of them, but then I just wrote down I mean, any team in the NFC that feels good about their quarterback should probably right. make a move. The NFC is garbage. I mean, they are the NFC stinks. So, you know, if you're looking to, you know, make a play at the playoffs and playoffs, you know, making the playoffs obviously matters. Having a chance to potentially go to a Super Bowl in a year where the NFC is not very good. And I think Dallas fits that bill perfectly. Wide receiver seems like the the place. Um, uh, certainly, Brad. The other one that I wrote down uh, was Buffalo. I mean, they they need a running back. How are they How are they supposed to compete uh, without a great running back? So I don't know if they can swoon, you know, someone uh, for a running back out there. It's clearly their one area of weakness, and they desperately need it. That's a joke, by the way. If the Buffalo Bills go out and spend draft capital to acquire a running back, that would be comedically uh, unsound. Um, ben, who do you think should be buyers? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you guys on Dallas. And, and uh, take this with a grain of salt. I don't really have, like, the connections, especially with Brad. I know, you know, the, the league sources don't really want to be known or associated with the gambling guy or the sports betting guy, unfortunately. So I take this with a grain of salt. This is me more reading the tea leaves. But I, I – and I talk about him every week, so I got to pitch him a little bit here. But I do think that Cincinnati Bengals – Kicking the tires on some sort of like secondary help, I do think for a little bit of depth type perspective, mm-hmm. given their given their current you know situation, given you know the strength of schedule that they're facing, the fact that they are very much uh, you know I, I would say uh, in contention to win the AFC North, and if they do see themselves as legitimate contenders this year, like they're gonna have to face off against the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs here year in and year out. So why not now? I do think that making you know a little bit of play uh, for some depth, I think at the secondary specific would help them quite a bit and then another team I know it's I know it's hard to say anybody in the AFC should go all in with the Chiefs and Bills but uh, I, I think you know the Tennessee Titans very much the AFC South is theirs for the taking they have you know nobody I would say really uh, at the wide receiver position I do think that even bringing in some sort of veteran guy, veteran guy on a free agent type deal or something like that would at least boost uh, a little bit more production out of them offensively if they do do that they should very much win I would say a very down AFC South and if they do that, uh, you know, we've seen Mike Vrabel uh, pull off a little bit of magic in the playoffs. So I do think that they could, you know, potentially pull off an upset or two if they do end up getting there as well. Big sellers, Brad. Who do you have? Yeah, I mean, Denver, you have to sell at this point. Not saying you're going to, you know, sell a Jerry, Jerry Judy. I don't know about that. But Albert O, you mentioned earlier, uh, I think Bradley Chubb at this point, you have to sell there to where you don't want to let him hit, hit the free agent market coming up his fifth year option. Just just trade him. Try to get. Maybe a, you know a, a day two pick for him. Baron Browning emergence makes it much more feasible. Uh, and then Pittsburgh, like I said, Chase Claypool had actually another good game tonight. 
probably three good games in a row now, but you know he's the clear number three in the pecking order. You got to retool a little bit. You really are kind of still a bit of a leverage team because Big Ben um, kind of kickstart that rebuild a little bit with Kenny Pickett. Um, those two just kind of jump off the page. And then Cleveland, Kareem Hunt requested a trade. They kind of said no. He is a good player, but at this point you're two and five. You, you, you kind of already punted this season. I don't see why you wouldn't make some small moves like that for guys that are going to be free agents anyway. Um, I have uh, four teams. You, you mentioned uh, Carolina, I think, earlier. I understand the desire to keep some good players around. Um, I just don't know that you can realistically say DJ Moore is going to be a part of your team that competes um, at some point. Now, I guess, you know, you go, oh, well, our rookie quarterbacks can come in and play well, then okay, maybe. So I kind of get that. But um, if you are potentially getting two first-round picks for Brian Burns and you're not taking that deal – I think you're crazy. I think you're absolutely out of this world. Brian Burns is good. He's not, you know, a generational talent at edge and two first round picks is super valuable. Um, Detroit, I don't, they're one in five at this point and any sort of second half resurgence is only going to make it harder for you to get a quarterback. So I would sell there. Um, Atlanta, I think you've got to sell as well. Um, by the way, hilarious how they have no idea how to try and win a football game from from behind, much less cover. And then here's one that I don't think people would have expected at the beginning of the year. Uh, I kind of did. It's just Indianapolis. They stink. And I in the AFC, I mean, they have no path uh, forward right. to, to uh, being competitive. So I think they should sell. Ben, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I would go with two teams in the AFC. I think the Raiders specifically with a guy like, you know, Rocky Asin, who they traded for from the Colts, basically for Yannick Ngakwe. He's actually graded, I would say, fairly well. So I do think, you know, from a depth piece, the fact that they, you know, ha- have missed on so many other draft picks here for the past few seasons, getting back anything to help them, you know, kind of kind of stock the cupboard a little bit more, I think makes a lot of sense for a Raiders team that, uh, you, you know, won today, but I still think is, is nowhere close to contending in the AFC. And then I, I know Brad, might uh, bury me on this one a little bit, but I also think the New Orleans Saints should probably be uh, selling. I think, you know, specifically some pieces along the defensive side of the football could definitely play uh, and get decent return. I'm not quite sure, you know, what all that would entail, but I do think that, you know, from where they are at uh, and the situation they have at both quarterback and the wide receiver position, you know, with only Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry and everybody else kind of beat up, uh, I think that they should probably be sellers, I would say, uh, coming out of the NFC. That's interesting because, you know, I think you could make a case for the Saints and the NFC to be buyers, you know, with how bad the NFC is. Right. right? So you could have a lot of teams in the NFC that you could make case kind of either way um, because where they go. It would be interesting to see, Brad, do you know if they're going to going to roll with Jameis going forward? Is there any word on that? So like a report multiple times last week leading into the game said, you know, Dalton might keep the job. And then he obviously threw back-to-back pick sixes in about 45 yeah, seconds. So that good. could change the, uh, the calculus there. But yeah, I mean, they refused to be sellers. They should have been sellers ever since the day Drew Brees hung up his cleats. But uh, the, thing, the thing with them too is because they restructure every single contract, basically anyone that anybody else wants, if the Saints trade them away, they probably would lose cap space and would like – so it, they're just, they're so, I mean, they're mortgaged to the gills. It's honestly crazy. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, moving um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson to Philadelphia probably was smart at this point because, you know, you're either going to pay him or or figure that out. And I think they're, you know, it, it's hurt their defense a little bit, but probably was a smart move in, in retrospect. Ben, we appreciate you coming on every week. Want to get you out of here on this Monday Night Football. 
the Chicago Bears go to New England. Um, what are your favorite plays right now? I mean, I'm hoping that you guys probably already, uh, you know, teased down, uh, you know, this this line basically. So the New England Patriots down to minus two, I think, you know, with the Miami Dolphins on that, you already have one side of your winning teaser. That would be uh, the play that I suggested when I did, a, you know, some other spots here earlier today. Other than that, I mean, it's this is going to be a dark game. I feel bad for Brad, honestly, already. I don't know. I feel like, you know, like David Montgomery under 1.5 receptions. But the problem is, is like. If they get behind, they're going to be dumping, uh, you know, a lot of balls down to either him or Khalil Herbert. So I don't feel great about that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm expecting a, a pretty Bill Belichickian uh, performance from the Patriots defense. So I do think playing somebody like, you know, uh, even though I love him, like Darnell Mooney under 45.5 receiving yards or something like that is probably the direction that I would be uh, in this particular match. But I think if anybody beats uh, the Patriots here on Monday night, it's not going to be Darnell Mooney, unfortunately. I think that's going to be kind of the focus of the Bill Belichick defense for sure. Full commit season is is what I'm hearing from you. Ben Brown, you can check him out at PFF underscore Ben Brown. Drops phenomenal content on, on Twitter. Um, player props for college as well, which you may want to get involved with. So go check him out. Also get all of his content on the PFF's new app which you can download by searching pff on the apple app store it's not out for android yet um get all of pff's betting analysis and written content uh, across all the different uh verticals fantasy analysis everything uh plus our betting and fantasy tools so go check that out uh also you can go ahead to DraftKings. Uh, we're about to guess the lines right now and as soon as we do you can go make some bets on DraftKings. Um, they are a fantastic way to get your betting. Uh, if maybe you're, you're someone that's checking out this podcast, maybe you remember the printing press, but you're new and you're looking for an opportunity to get yourself rolling. DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook will let you do that. Use promo code PFF, get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, when you place a single $5 bet and it wins on any game. So you can pick the, uh, I don't know. I'm guessing the biggest line this week will probably be Buffalo. Shockingly, maybe Philadelphia. Um, you can go bet on them and then collect that $200 in free bets at DraftKings. And then you can bet them on all the other good stuff uh, that we talk about on this podcast. So go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Use promo code PFF to get that fantastic deal. Plus a bunch of stepped up boosts for same game parlays to make it a little bit easier uh, for you to uh, make some moves here. If you're thinking about Tomorrow night, I'm not sure that there's anything that you want to play on the over side of things. Maybe look for a sinking parlay with unders, as terrifying as that sounds. DraftKings and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. All right, we are going to get to guessing the lines. Our friend, member of the printing press, Arjun Menon, joining us from somewhere in Michigan, in Ann Arbor. Um, Arjun, how did your week go this week? Um, week went all right, kind of broke even towards the end of the day. Um, Chiefs and Jets definitely helping the, the bankroll out there. But, yeah, excited to hop back on and, and guess some of the lines right here. Yeah, we had some fun last week. Um, let's take a look here. So the week before, um, Arjun absolutely scorched uh, the earth here. Would you go like five and two, six and two or something like that? Um, this past week, week seven, uh, what we do is we guess the lines and then we decide whether we're going to bet that game right then and there. Um, I am three and one. I still have the the Patriots left to go tomorrow. Brad, you're four and one. Um, 
Do you have the Patriots tomorrow? Also Patriots tomorrow, yep. Yeah, there you go. So you go five and one. That'd be big. Uh, Arjun, you're three and three. And are you rolling with us on the Patriots tomorrow? Yeah, squad. There right. we go. Okay, so, so here it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so overall, um, I'm 11 and five. I'm the only person with double digit wins so far. I'm going to ride that. I've got, I've got a banner hanging um, in my room in my office already. Um, me and the, and the New York Jets, the only two teams with banners hanging so far. Brad, nine and seven. And Arjun, you are eight and five. So let's get right into it. Here's how this works. We'll go through each game. We're going to guess the lines and we're going to decide whether we want to bet them or not. We will start with Thursday night football, Baltimore in Tampa to pick, to play the Buccaneers that the Chiefs and the Chargers have to buy this week. Um, Arjun, we'll start with you. What'd you have? I have Ravens minus one. Wow. Brad, what about you? I have a pick them, but I don't blame Arjun. Holy cow. Um, I have Tampa Bay minus three. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, are we really, we're bailing on Tom Brady this, this early? I'm bailing hard. Yeah. Bailing. You're writing the article. Okay. Um, I see. So, uh, Jeff Sherman golf odds at Superbook has it at minus two. Brad, do you see it, uh, different? Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at Caesars. I'll pull up at MGM, but Caesars has Tampa plus one. Wow. Caesars has Tampa plus one. You might have to bet that. That might be an auto. <laughs> All right. Let's roll with that. Uh, Arjun, I'll go to you first. Um, are you betting? Yeah, I think I'm going to, after the after we finish recording, I think I'm going to take the Ravens here. Um, it's not even just betting against Tom Brady. It's like it's betting against Byron Leftwich. I just like, I don't know what's going on with the scheme. I think one of your former forecast guests, Fabian uh, Suma, wrote like a great piece about like how the early down runs or the first down runs for the box are averaging like negative 0.13 EPA per play and like a 30% success rate. And every time the Leonard Fournette touches the ball, it just goes to shit. So I think, you know, this is a spot where I think Ravens match up well on the outside. They can hold their own with Marcus, uh, Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. And then on offense, like the Foreman and, Chuba Hubbard both averaged seven yards of carry, and you know this Ravens rushing attack is one of the best in the league. So I think I'm going to back them there, and I just think the Ravens are the overall better team here. Brad, what about you? Yeah, yeah. So also just real quick, BetMGM is plus one and a half, Bucks plus one and a half. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm still afraid of it. I still don't totally believe in either team in this matchup, but um, I, you know, normally I would say, oh, Tom Brady at home catching points on a short week, yada yada. Um, I am not doing that. I have genuine, serious concerns about this team. I watched that entire Carolina game. I mean, yeah, the first and second down runs, they're running on second and 10 with Leonard Fournette with regularity. He's averaging two yards a clip, just slamming into the back of his guards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are hard to watch right now. This is what I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for everyone to bail on Tom. Giselle's bailed on Tom. Arjun's bailed on Tom. Brad's bailing on Tom. I think betters are going to bail on them. They look terrible. Now, what people may forget is uh, Mike Evans running, you know, completely free through the back of the, uh, of the Carolina Panthers defense and then dropping a pass. He catches that. They go up 7 nothing. I wonder if that game's a little bit different. Baltimore coming off of a W in this one. Um, short week in Tampa. I'm not giving up on Tom Brady. I'm betting the Bucs. Took a lot to say, but uh, I'm arriving with it. Uh, we have a UK game back in London, 6.30 a.m. on the West Coast, Denver. And I'm I'm guessing this is – are we going to have Russell Wilson back? Do you know, Brad? 
So it says he's trending towards playing is what Nathaniel Hackett said. I don't think we can know definitively, but I would guess he does play. Yeah, that's what I, I banked on as well. Um, uh, so Denver against Jacksonville, pseudo home game for the Jacksonville Jaguars because they play in London all the time. Arjun, would you make this one? I have Jaguars minus three. Brad? I had Jags minus two, and I think the more interesting spread is over under on the amount of Denver people that are calling American Airlines trying to cancel their flight to Heathrow. That's my <laughs> more more. But anyway, yeah, I had Jags minus two. Yeah, brutal. Um, I have Jags minus four and a half, and I one of the reasons that I have four and a half is you know I, I don't know if Denver is going to be selling, so are they going to be trading some players away? I. I think there's a chance they sit Russell out again. Um, shoot, I think there's a chance they like fire Nathaniel Hackett um, after this game. So, you know, what, I, I don't know. Um, it doesn't feel good uh, for Denver. And, and Jacksonville hasn't played great over the last couple of weeks, um, but they're certainly a more competent team here. It looks like, um, so Superbook has it at four. Brad, what are you seeing? MGM is Jaguars minus four and a half, but shaded towards the the Broncos. Okay, so we'll call it we'll call it four there. Arjun, what are you doing with this one? Um, I, I'm just laying off. I the Jaguars have this tendency of like playing really well and then just like losing at the end of games, whether it's not converting on fourth downs or like just allowing some random thing to happen in, at the end of games. And like I, I I do think this Broncos defense is very good, and I don't really know how Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to respond to a defense like this. So I think I'm gonna just lay off for this game. Yeah, the. I'm surprised there wasn't more of a hubbub today about Doug Peterson not kicking a field goal to go up seven, I want to say it was. Um, And then it kind of came into play later on in the game. I didn't see anyone talking about it. He should get much more flack for, on third and I think 15, throwing throwing to the receiver, I think it was Christian Kirk, who then tried to throw it back to Travis Etienne on like a reverse, like with 30 seconds left. He he dropped the pass. It was a joke. Uh, But anyway... Uh, I'm also laying off. If anything, I think I might take the Broncos and just hope that this this spread thinks Russ might not play and then Russ does play and I get the benefit of a little bit of value there. The Jacksonville Jaguars are fourth in the NFL in early down passing EPA per play, but they suck in in all of their situations. They're terrible on third down. They're terrible under pressure. Um, I don't know that they've quite figured it out yet. And I agree with you, right? Denver's defense is a really good unit. I'm laying off here as well. Carolina goes to Atlanta to open up the early slate. Arjun, would you make this? I have Falcons minus five. Bradley? I have Falcons minus six. I have the Atlanta Falcons minus five in this game, and I feel like that's light. Um, MGM is minus six and a half, so we're all yeah. short. Yeah. yeah. That... that yeah, I think that um, – well, I'll, here, Arjun, what do you have to say here? I'm just laying off. I'm not betting on I'm not betting on either team here. I think with Atlanta, when you see today, they're in an obvious passing game script, and they were running the ball. I mean, Mar- Marcus Mariota had 13 pass attempts in a game they were trailing by three scores almost the entire time. So not even talking about – like, why, why would you trust them to cover a touchdown if they're not trying to score the score the ball – um, so probably staying away cause it's Carolina as good as they look today. Um, but yeah, I think just long-term I'll keep betting Atlanta as dogs. And obviously they're, you know, still five and one ATS in the season or six and one, I guess, but I don't trust them laying points because you just have no faith that 
you know, they're, they're actually going to try to move the ball down the field. Yeah, I think it's a good point. Um, I kind of wanted to bet Atlanta in this game, but not at this number. I would love to fade the whole Carolina, you know, <laughs> better without Christian McCaffrey. And like, I, it makes sense that they rallied today, right? Um, made sense after that drop, Mike Evans touchdown. Everything kind of made sense for them today. But long term, can't imagine this is going to be good going forward. Um, Chicago, Dallas in Big D. Arjun, what do you make this? I have Cowboys minus nine. I had Dallas minus ten and a half in this one. I have Dallas minus ten, and it looks like that is the number. Uh, Brad, you seen anything different? It's not up on BetMGM yet. Obviously, the Bears yeah. play tomorrow. Also, we should have mentioned the Bears as sellers. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't see it on BetMGM. Yeah, on Superbook, it is minus 10. Archie, you doing anything with this? Uh, it's tough. I, I think nine's a lot of points. I'm not, like, too confident in the Cowboys' offense at all. I, I think I'm a little bit lower on Dak than, like, the public or, like, the film analyst mm-hmm. people are. But the thing with the Cowboys, and I think this is one thing that is going to cause a lot of issues for the Bears, is that they stunt – at an extremely high rate, like their defense. And like in one metric I built, like a stun rate over expected metric, the Cowboys prior to this week had stunted 20% more than expected, which is double the second place team. And, you know, like a team like the Bears, where it's, it's kind of a young offensive line, not that good. Justin Fields is not, you know, he's, he's not that good at like picking up these type of like defensive tendencies. I think they'll struggle a lot on offense, but yeah, Tens, tens a lot of points, and I don't, I don't know if the Cowboys' offense is that good to where they can, you know, keep scoring uh, to cover this number. So I'm gonna lay off. Detroit did hang today. Um, like it, it, the score doesn't reflect. I think the game, you know, it was a 24-6 was the final, but they had, you know, Dallas probably turned the ball over three times in the last probably 15 minutes of the game. Um, but I actually was encouraged by what I saw from Dak throughout the game. I think he made a bunch of nice throws. He had a couple misses, of course, but better than I thought he was going to look in his first game. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, the other match we mentioned. I mean, Justin Field, we talk about winning with four rushers. The, the Cowboys might bring three guys. Just bring Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, and, and, and Osa Digazoo in the middle and drop eight. And I think they still would have a 40% pressure rate in this game. So I honestly – I'm. <laughs> I, I, if it comes out at ten and not ten and a half, I, I probably would. I probably will bet Dallas. Okay, I'm putting you down. Yeah, that counts. We'll take You're it. Betting Dallas, yeah. Miami, Detroit in Detroit. Arjun, would you make this? I have uh, Lions plus five and a half. Brad, so I have the Lions plus three. Yeah, I have Lions plus three as well. I'm seeing four. Uh, what are you seeing on MGM or anywhere else? Let's see Detroit. Not on BetMGM yet. All right, we'll roll with four here. Um, Arjun, you had five and a half. What do you yeah. doing with this one? I'm I'm definitely betting this one. I I like the Lions in this, or I like the Dolphins in this spot uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, the Lions have one of the highest man usage rates in the NFL, and you can't play man against the the Dolphins, right? Like Tyreek and Jalen Waddle combined for like 150, 160 yards today. Jeffrey Okuda has been playing fine, but even him, I don't think he's going to be able to slow down Tyreek Hill. Um, the one thing that could, you know, hurt me here is the the Lions play like the Belichick style defense where they put um, Okuda on the number the number one receiver and gave him safety helps. But Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are both wide receiver ones, so I don't really have a problem 
with the Dolphins offense scoring, even if they did look a little bit bad today. Then on the flip side, I mean, Jared Goff looked really bad today against against the Cowboys and the Dolphins defense played pretty well tonight. So I feel comfortable backing both sides of the ball here. Brad, what about yourself? I would lean Detroit. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lay it, but I, I think this is an interesting spot. Miami's pass rush is really just not as good as I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. I was hyping them up coming into the season and they really cannot generate consistent pressure. And I know part of that was obviously their coverage unit is banged up. And so maybe guys are getting open earlier than you'd think in the shot clock, but Kenny Pickett kind of had all day back there. Um, and obviously, you know, was busy throwing interceptions, but and on the other side of the ball, Tua Tagovailoa literally should have thrown four interceptions tonight. Like they, like uh, they, we, we talk about dropped interceptions. There's a range of like the DB is diving and barely misses a catch. These were like hitting them right in the hands as if they were the ones running the routes. That's how bad these throws were. Eventually, that's got to regress, and they, they had to actually catch the ball. Um, it, yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna put down an official play here, but I, I'm just Miami. Uh, no, I'm I'm not laying that many points on the road with them right now. Is uh, is Amon Ra supposed to be back? What, what was the deal? With he got concussed today, so I would not be surprised if he does not play. He got pulled out immediately. They ruled him out pretty much immediately, um, which I would think skews towards a more obvious severe concussion. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know, but I, I wouldn't count on it. Yeah, I just think that I'm out on the the restoration of the roar here, so I'm passing <laughs> as well. The Arizona. Cardinals, after a spirited victory against primetime Andy Dalton, are traveling to Minnesota. Uh, Vikings coming off a of bye. Arjun, would you make this? I have uh, Cardinals plus three. Brad? I had Vikings laying five and a half. I have five and a half as well. Um, it is, uh, let's see here. I got four and a half. So I got four and a half on BetMGM shaded towards the Cardinals. Okay, I see Superbook at five and a half. Um, you said four and a half? On yeah, with MGM? Cardinals minus 115 on BetMGM. Okay, okay. Um, Arjun, what are you doing with this one? I think, I think I'm going to lay off full game. I do like a derivative, like, Vikings first quarter bet. You know, I think mm-hmm. I've been doing solid on those. And yes. I think um, Cardinals, again, didn't score a, an, opening, uh, an opening drive touchdown. Still suck on scripted plays. It took like an Andy Dalton pick six for them to cover, finally cover a first half spread or two pick sixes. Um, Vikings coming off a bye. I think Kevin O'Connell is going to, you know, have a good game plan coming out. So I think, you know, Vikings first quarter money line or first quarter, like minus one, you can get that at like plus plus one thirty. You just won't push if they tie. Um, that's probably going to be something I want to write up for the, for the rub side, but I do like their first quarter bet right here. Brad, what about you? One thing that sticks out to me is I'm seeing the over under at 48 and a half. Um, I like the over here. I'm still not a buyer in this Vikings defense really at all. And and DeAndre Hopkins will just abuse Patrick Peterson or Cam Dantzler or whoever he's playing against. You know, we saw obviously him go for 11 catches on Thursday. So both teams had mm-hmm. kind of a buy slash a half buy for Arizona. Um, and, and I'm just I'm not I mean, I'm not afraid of either defense. Frankly, I think both teams can get abused over the middle. Um, and these coaches can kind of scheme things up over the middle and, and get these linebackers that can't cover super well. Um, you know, outside of Eric Kendricks, really, you know, is the only guy on either team that can cover. Uh, I, I like the over 48 and a half here. You know, a bye week for the Vikings, I think you could assume a couple of things. Kevin Kevin O'Connell went and drew up some some plays in the dirt. Uh, Kirk Cousins put some reps in at his dad's church. And Kyler Murray played a lot of Call of Duty. Those are the things that I'm pretty confident in. Um, so... I'm going to ride with, with Arjun's uh, first quarter here. I love that. Um, I would, you know, if I didn't like that so much, 
I think would be tempted to make uh, make a play on Minnesota here. We'll see where this line ends up. This could very well be something that I'll take in the Circa uh, Millions contest. Like, I, I want the, the Cardinals suck. Beating Andy Dalton in prime time with two pick sixes, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> absolutely not going to be something that all of a sudden makes me uh, makes me like the, the Arizona Cardinals. So I still think they stink. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders go to New Orleans to play the Saints. Uh, we, uh, Brad, I asked you this earlier, but what is your, if, you know, who do you think is going to be quarterback here in this game? I would guess still Andy Dalton if I had to guess. Okay. Arjun, would you make this? I have Raiders minus two in this game. Okay. I went with the pick this one again. Wow. Am I am I losing my mind here? I, I have New Orleans by two and a half. Um I must just think that the, the Raiders suck. Looks like I'm I'm way off here. So I see Raiders minus two and a half. So but BetMGM is one and a half. Okay. Okay. Uh we'll call it we'll call it one and a half here. Arjun, what do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna lay off like i think the 38 to 20 score that you'll see in the raiders game is so deceiving like yes the, the texans are winning like a decent amount of that game and you know raiders kind of just turned it up in the fourth quarter um you know josh jake was has been having a pretty much a career resurgence you know they, they didn't pick up his fifth year option and now he's kind of like you know showing them out um saints run defense kind of looked not that good on thursday night so i am a little bit worried about that if but I don't think I'm going to take either side just because I still think I still don't have like that high of an opinion on the Raiders and, you know, Saints have kind of just disappointed me all year. I'm riding with the Saints here. Um, I, I will take them for an official pick on the one and a half. I'm also definitely, I think, looking to teasers for them as well, getting them above yeah. seven. Um, you mentioned the run defense. It hasn't been as good this year as years past, but I think the trench matchup is going to heavily favor New Orleans. Uh, against this kind of you know mediocre Raiders offensive line. And then also because of the Thursday game, no Michael Thomas, no Jarvis Landry, no Marshawn Lattimore, which I think you get him on Devontae Adams. Who else in the Raiders can really beat you right now? You know, a banged up Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. Honestly, you might not still play in this one with that hamstring. Um, I like the Saints here a lot. I think it's a nice mismatch for them um, in a lot of different areas. And it's, I mean, the season's on the line for them. Actually, it's not because the, the Buccaneers lead the division at three and four. But in theory, the season's on <laughs> the line for them i guess i like the saints here a lot uh i had that same takeaway from watching the davis mills experience davis mills in every single road game is like guaranteed it's not just an interception it should be you know it's a pick six (laughs) like he doesn't throw interceptions he throws touchdowns and uh yeah again i think all of the the things that you saw with the saints on thursday night that are going to be magnified with the score are really fluky um, you know, everywhere you see, um, you know, Andy Dalton and then behind him, a uh, Cardinals player, I forget who it was, diving into the end zone. Um, you know, Wilson, I, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like that to me is, you know, the perfect kind of snapshot of what that game was. And this is going to be a different game. I, I'm not expecting that to to come back. And you mentioned those injuries. The Las Vegas Raiders not going to be able to cover, um, you know, Chris Olave plus all of the other juice that they have there back at home in New Orleans. So, um, yeah, I think this is ridiculous. I, both these teams, both these teams are mediocre and it's in New Orleans and that should be worth something. This line, in my opinion, you know, should be two and a half. So even though it's not crossing three, um, I'll take the uh, I will take the Saints here. 
One final the, note, too, real quick. I mean, the Raiders' biggest strength is our edge rushers, and the Saints have one of the best tackle duos in the NFL. It can kind of nullify that a little bit as well. So, Very good point. Um, the New England Patriots go to play the New York football Jets, who um, suffered a really shitty injury with, with Brees Hall going down, somehow managed to still win the game against like the fifth straight backup quarterback that they've beaten. Just a murderer's row of quarterbacks that they've had to go up and beat. Um, but uh, but managed to get it done and now have Michael Carter coming in. I, Brad, do you think uh, do you think this line moved without Brees Hall? Maybe eh, no. And this is me. This is me like trying <laughs> to make a joke. joke. I, don't, I don't think so. No, absolutely <laughs> not. There's no way. Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no chance in hell. Uh, all right, uh, Arjun, would you make this? I made this Pats minus one. Brad. I had uh, Pats minus three. I have the New England Patriots minus three and a half. I am seeing a pick here, Brad. What are you seeing? I have Patriots minus one and a half on uh, BetMGM. Okay, uh, we'll call it. We'll call it one and a half here. Um, Arjun, what are you doing with this? Um, I'm. I think I'm going to take the Patriots here. Uh, you know the the Jets. Our brothers in Christ, brothers in Vishnu have made us some money the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think it's time to hop off the bandwagon. Zach Wilson is not a good quarterback. He had a negative uh, 0.23 EPA per play today. The Jets won despite of him, not because of him. And, you know, I think Bill Belichick is, uh, again, we're probably going to see it on Monday night, just the best uh, coach in the league at exploiting young quarterbacks' weaknesses. Last year, Zach Wilson had a 51.4 PFF grade, or PFF passing grade versus Bill Belichick. 46 completions to 40 on 48 attempts, four interceptions, uh, and no touchdowns thrown. So uh, this is definitely going to be a Patriots game. It's definitely going to be a under Zach Wilson 0.5 passing touchdowns again game. Um, but yeah, I definitely love the Patriots in this spot. Brad? On top of losing Brees Hall, they also lost Corey Davis in this game. Elijah Vera Tucker, their guard, slash tackle, slash everything on the offensive line, also left the game today. Um, and Zach Wilson under pressure is a pumpkin. He's He is <laughs> as bad as it gets under pressure. Uh, and, and Bill Belichick is going to dial stuff up. He's going to get home with, with Dietrich Wise and Matthew Judon playing good football. I think Christian Barmore on the interior, if he does not play Monday, he will play next week is my understanding. Um, I love that. I mean, I, this will be like a multi-unit play for me on the Patriots. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be the squad going in on the Patriots for a second straight week. So hopefully we don't sustain any injuries um, on on Monday night here. But uh, I'm with you. I will say this: I um, I have the Patriots in in circa, and my buddy that um, I do that with. When I saw Mac Jones was playing, I sent him the tweet, and I was like, you know, with a with an f bomb. I would prefer Bailey Zappi. I got to be honest with you. And one of the reasons that I prefer Bailey Zappi is I think it brings out the best in Bill Belichick. He's got that, like, I'm winning with a guy that no one knew existed kind of mentality. And I want that edge from Bill Belichick. I'll be interested to see how Mac Jones plays. The quote from Mac Jones about something, I'm going to get it wrong, but something to the extent of, yeah, I'd love some of the same kind of game plans that Bailey Zappi has gotten. I thought was the most pathetic quote and he probably didn't mean it that way, but was just weak in my opinion, was soft. Um, so I'm team Bailey Zappi. That said, I'm Bill Belichick for Zach Wilson is the only thing I need to know about it this game. And uh, yeah, I'm taking the Patriots. Tennessee, uh, 
uh, sorry, Philadelphia is hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers Battle of Pennsylvania here. Arjun, would you make this? I have Eagles minus 10. Brad? I went really big. I have the Eagles laying 13 points in this game. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have the Eagles minus 12 and a half. Um, I'm close to you there. Uh, I see 10 and a half, Jeff Sherman at uh, the Superbook. Brad, what are you seeing? Not on BetMGM. Okay. Yeah, I'm guessing because of uh, the, the Steelers just finishing out. Um, yeah. So let's let's go with uh, let's go with that ten and a half. Uh, Arjun, what are you doing with this? So, like, I think I would have gone with like what you guys did minus thirteen, minus twelve and a half. But the Eagles just like they struggle so much in the second half at like keeping these leads and increasing their leads, um, and that's just like been the big point of like why I don't really bet the Eagles full game. I just bet them first half. So if we can get their first, like, I don't know if I want to make this an official play because I don't have the half spreads, but if we can get their first half at like minus four and a half, minus five or minus five and a half, I would definitely lay that number uh, because Eagles are just an absolute wagon in the first half. I think they've covered every single week or at least they've only lost like one week or something. Um, Steelers have one of the worst offenses in the NFL. Eagles coming off a bye should get some of the defensive guys healthy, should be able to tear into that Steelers offensive line. And, you know, they, they match up well with Claypool, with Pickens and Deontay Johnson with, you know, they, they probably have the best cornerback trio in the league right now. So um, I think I'm okay making Eagles first half an official play, but I think 10, 11, 12 is a lot of points to lay for, for this Eagles team. Brad? I like that a lot. Yeah, I will, I'll be joining you on the, on the first half. Um, yeah, they have let a lot of teams back into games, but some of those teams were, were teams that had offenses that could score, like the Detroit Lions in week one and, you know, you know Arizona kind of backdoor covering everyone when Kyler Murray, you know, does his, his craziness at the end of games. I mean, Pittsburgh can't do that. When they try to do that, Kenny Pickett's throwing interceptions left, right, and center. So, hey, you mentioned, you know, Vontae Maddox with Darius Slay and James Bradbury. They'll have Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, you know, talking shit the whole time. I won't do it because it's a ton of points, but the first half, I'm going to go big time with you as well. Yeah. Yeah, I get on board with that. I, you know, I think about Pittsburgh getting the doors um, blown off them by by the Buffalo Bills, and this could be a similar situation here. Um, I like the matchup quite a bit with the way that Philadelphia can cover some of those receivers. I mean, Pittsburgh should have got blown out by the Dolphins, but the Dolphins just couldn't quite figure it out uh, this week. So. I'm tempted. I'm tempted to lay the ten and a half, but ten and a half is a big number, and Kenny Pickett's a little spunky. So um, I will. I will pass. And when we see the first half line, I'll probably jump on that as well. Um, the last. Uh, sorry. Now we are on to the afternoon slate. Before we before we get there, want to remind everyone uh, a friend of the the podcast we haven't talked about in a little while, Bro Throw. Um, and if you don't know what Bro Throw is, let me let me break it down for you. It's basically you betting against other bros or uh brunettes what's what's the uh gals i don't know what the yeah i don't want to say what i came to mind yeah (laughs) the female version of bro is but they're on there in fact i um have been paid out by members of both sexes on bro throw and you pay no fees no juice there's no middleman so it's not a sports book and you just get to place bets against other people super simple you get paid on venmo cash app whatever the hell it is it's very easy um i've been paid every single time so uh, whether it's PayPal or Strike or Skrill or whatever these things are that I don't even know, um, you're in good shape. You bet $10, you win $10. As opposed to a sports book where you've got to bet 11 in order to win 10. So go to Bro Throw, and here's the deal. It's only for um, uh, an initial group at first. They're only uh, they're limiting 
the number of people that can sign up. So you can sign up using brothrow.com slash PFF right now to go check it out. Uh, so go make that happen right now at growthrow.com slash PFF. All right, we are on to, oh, actually, sorry, I messed that up. One more thing, Western Southern, our friends at Western Southern Financial Group, um, they have something to tell you. You might focus on your roster moves on your fantasy team, but Western Southern can help you make money moves, buying your first home, planning to start a family. I don't know if you're starting a family right now, but you might be thinking about buying a home because the uh, way the economy is shaping up. So go to Western Southern dot com slash pff to start figuring out how you can make your goals a reality with a game plan built just for you all right game plans built just for uh houston would involve davis mills not throwing a pick six he is now at home so there's a chance that that happens they're hosting the tennessee titans arjun would you make this one i have titans minus three and a half brad same here I have the, I think, let me go back here. I have Tennessee, yes, three and a half. Um, I'm seeing four. Brad, what are you seeing? Bet Jim's three and a half. So we, we're all right on. We it. nailed it. Yeah. Uh, Arjun, you doing anything with this one? You've been a, a Titans first quarter, first half fiend lately. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I was I was not going to have a play, but I feel like, you know, you just have to keep running the Titans first quarterback, Todd Downing, an absolute wizard with the scripted plays. Um, I'd have to just double check to make sure the Texans uh, scripted play stuff. Yeah, no, they're they're like bottom three in scripted play. So, yeah, Titans first quarter, running it back. We're going to get that at like minus one, plus 130. That's a, that's an instant bet every single week until it fails us. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Brad, you riding with that? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, there were some rumblings. I don't know if it's going to happen, but maybe Brandon Cooks gets traded um, for the fourth time. I think we'd set a record for <laughs> getting traded four times. Also, could get another second-round pick. He could get traded for a first twice and a second twice, which would be kind of phenomenal. If that does happen, I mean, I like Nico Collins, like a good young player, but like he is so important to that offense. He's basically all they have. If they need a play, they need a first down, like he's the guy. Um, even still, even without him, I will admit it, I'll raise my hand that one of the teams I was the most wrong about coming this season was the Tennessee Titans. I took them this week against Indianapolis with confidence, and they covered for me. Um, I might, I might run it back again. Love to hear it. Yeah, I, I took the Titans again minus two and, a, two and a half this week as well and felt I wasn't even worried about it. Colts stink. Um, Washington, speaking of the Colts, Washington and Taylor Heineke go to Indianapolis to play the Colts. Arjun, would you make this? I have Colts minus three and a half. Colts minus three. I have the Colts minus three as well. I thought about making it two and a half, but I Ended up at three. Um, I'm seeing Colts four and a half. It's four on BetMGM. Okay. Uh, Arjun, what are you doing with this? I'm, I'm just laying off this game. This is, this is just like two really bad teams. Like Matt Ryan just looked terrible outside of that Jaguars game. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor, while, you know, he might be back. Um, Commanders one strength is their run defense. Uh, Packers, who had a pretty solid rushing attack entering this game, average a negative 0.18 EPA per rush. So they're obviously going to have a hard time running the ball. And then on the flip side, I think like the Colts, they did a pretty good job on defense. It's like it's not the Colts defense that lost in that game it was Matt Ryan. So I think it's 
what quarterback do you trust more? And I don't know how you can pick between Matt Ryan and Taylor Heineke, which is kind of just sad. If you're Bad sentence right there. That was sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's another one where I'm probably staying away. It would have been fun if it was the Wentz Revenge Bowl uh, heading back to Indianapolis. Obviously ended ugly there, uh, but instead they've been upgraded with Taylor Heineke. I, it, the over-under I'm seeing at 42, I don't see how these two offenses hit 42 points in this game. Um, I think both defensive lines are going to obliterate the opposing offensive lines. Like you mentioned, they're, they're not going to be able to run, but they're still going to keep trying to run because they're not going to trust their guys to drop back to pass. Um, if anything, I'll probably play the under 42 here. I'm not betting on this game. <laughs> There's no chance I'm taking. <laughs> I'm not taking Taylor Heineke after de- you know after beating Aaron Rodgers at home. Um, this is not. This is not happening. Uh, it was nice to see Terry McLaurin show up though. Um, that was a sight for sore eyes. The San Francisco 49ers. This is the father son uh, matchup. Kyle Shanahan uh, traveling to see his son Sean McVay in Los Angeles. Uh, take him out to dinner uh, for a little uh, afternoon uh, of football. The Niners and the Rams in Los Angeles. Arjun, would you make this? I have Niners minus one and a half. Oh, with my third third pick of the day. Okay. I have the Niners minus two and a half. Um, I am seeing two and a half. Brad, what are you seeing? That MGM is uh, Rams plus one and a half. Okay. All right. We'll call it one and a half here. Um Arjun, what are you thinking? It's it's a tough one because I think the nine I think the Niners are the better team, but they're just so banged up. Um, Mah- Patrick Mahomes averaged zero point seven two EPA per play today, <laughs> which is absolutely absurd. But I don't think that happens if the Niners like have some of their guys back. Um, I don't believe Charvarius Ward got hurt. I think during mm-hmm. the game. Yeah. Um, I think the only way I know that's because Eric was tweeting that out uh, during the game, but um, like. Niners don't, or Rams don't have no boom anymore. So they had a they had the bye week to kind of like game plan through that. But I mean, this Niners D line could just wreck wreak havoc like they did last game. And I, I don't I don't feel comfortable laying with Jimmy though. I just I don't know. They didn't they didn't really like impress me. And losing by twenty one to the Chiefs at home isn't you know too inspiring. So I'm gonna jump on that. I'm probably gonna play the Niners here. Not probably. I'm going to play the Niners here. Um, they, you know, probably gonna start Ty and Secchi, who is a great swing tackle and a veteran, but he's about 38 years old. Has not played yet this season on the Colts practice squad, and the Rams signed him. I'm guessing he's gonna be a starting left tackle in this game. They did have some injuries for various Ward. I think Telano Hufanga had to leave the game yeah. uh, as well. But they, they have depth there. They have good players. Um, you know, across the board in that defense. And and George is being nice. I mean, he literally Cal Shanahan is is owns Sean McVay. And I just I see that continuing in this game. I'm playing the Niners as well. And I don't have any I, I'm I don't I haven't looked at any information around what we expect the uh stadium to look like given what happened in that NFC championship game. I'm guessing that the faithful made a point to buy some tickets to this game. And this is, I mean, this is a big game for the Niners here. They have gone all in, all in on this season. Um, they need to come with it in this one. And let's let's be very clear here. The Rams offense is nowhere near the Chiefs offense. They are on different planets right now. And um, so I know it's a week for Sean McVay to like scheme and get things going. Um, but I'm going to take the Niners minus one and a half at home in Los Angeles. The New York football giants, 
one loss New York football giants playing in Seattle against the Seahawks. Arjun, would you make this? I feel like I'm going to be so off here, but I have a uh, giants plus one and a half. Okay. I'm finally, you know, like I talked at the top of the show, finally giving the Seahawks their respect. I have them minus two and a half. Same here. What are you seeing on Betham Jam? It's that. It's it's Seahawks minus two and a half, actually minus 115 on the Seahawks. So, okay. Arjun, what are you doing? I, I, I'm going to lay off. I think I don't really know what the Seahawks like offense is going to look like with that DK Metcalf. I know they kind of had a, a pretty good day against the Chargers, but. Chargers ha- had one of those just like w- like what happened to them came. So I don't really know how to react too much to that. I will say Kenneth Walker, since I watched that whole Seahawks game, is an absolute beast. Like I, I would not like – I mean I, I tweeted it out. I had to delete it because I had too many Jets fans in my mentions. But like Kenneth Walker I think has been the best rookie running back. Yes. And, <laughs> and uh, I mean at home I, I could see him having a big day. But Giants just – they're not – fundamentally they're not a good team. But they just find ways to pull it out. So that's it's it's tough to bet against them when, you know, they keep keep on doing that. Typical me to like fade the Seahawks ten weeks in a row and then now I get on them and they they lose. But yeah, you mentioned the fundamentals and the Giants the one score regression has gotta hit at some point. I mean, <laughs> they've won what of their six wins, I think are all six by one score. Um, so I just I, I'm not sure it's gonna continue. Um, Evan Neal went down in this game. I doubt he plays for uh for the Giants. So yes, DK Metcalf's a big loss, but you know, also losing your starting right tackle does not help against Seattle. Um, and, and I just think even like you said, I mean, Mark, he's good when he's going off today. Um, the Seattle found a way to overcome that. And the Giants gonna have a great pass rush. Pretty good on the interior. Dexter Lawrence has been playing kind of out of his mind. Uh, Leonard Williams back in the lineup. But I'm gonna I'm gonna finally back the Seahawks, which probably is like a death knell for them, but I'm gonna finally give them their due. Yeah, that means I'm not going to to back them. I think I'm back the Seahawks all but maybe one week this year, and it's it's uh done me very, very well. But you know, it's one thing to lose DK Metcalf in a game where the other team has schemed for DK Metcalf and now is kind of trying to figure things out and you can sort of throw them off. And I'm not expecting another 72-yard run from the best rookie running back in, in the NFL and Kenneth Walker. By the way, uh, Arjun, if you think you have Jets fans in, in your replies, let me tell you, they're singing a beautiful tune in all of mine. And yeah. nothing cracks me up more. It's so funny, man. You know, they're all like, oh, why don't you, you know, address my tweet, address my tweet. It's like, look, if there's anything for me to address, I absolutely will, you know, but like you're a, you're a team that's beating backup quarterbacks with a crappy quarterback and you've had a rookie running back who's broken off some nice, uh, some nice runs that have been schemed up really well. So like, congratulations. Yeah. Brees Hall didn't get touched on that, yeah. on that touchdown run. The breakaway speed was definitely impressive. Like obviously good credit. You can't yeah. find a fast player past round two, Arjun. You can't do it. They, they, guys like Tariq Woolen who run 4-3, you have to draft them in the first two rounds. I don't know if you know that. And so, you know, it, clearly the Jets fans have figured that out, and, and kudos to them. It's it's really, really impressive. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's really funny, man. I, I am enjoying watching them uh, win their Super Bowl here seven weeks into the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm laying off. I'm laying off. I can't uh, I can't do it here without potentially DK Metcalf. The Seahawks have been, you know, they've been underdogs for the most point, uh, most part, and people haven't really believed in them. I think this week people will start to believe in them. That worries me a little bit. So I'll wait to see it happen. Uh, Sunday night, Green Bay goes to Buffalo. 
I am going to guess that this is going to be the uh, the biggest um, underdog that Aaron Rodgers has ever been, maybe in his career, maybe since his rookie season. I don't have the the data points on that, but that's going to be my guess. Arjun, would you make this? I'm not going to lie. Like when I was guessing the lines, I'd already seen the line from our friends Ben Baldwin and Lee Sharp because they were mm. tweeting it out. And I think Lee Sharp did confirm your thing that like I think the spread is ten or ten and a half, and it's the largest spread for any Aaron Rodgers quarterback game. Um, so I'm sorry if that like kind of blew it, but yeah, I was gonna guess like nine, nine and a half, but I, I saw it on Twitter at some point. So I have uh nine and a half, which as I was writing, I was just grinning from ear to ear. It was truly beautiful, uh, and it is. I also looked it up. It it will be if it closes there the biggest underdog of his career. I had nine and a half as well, and I thought about making it ten. And I'll be honest, the only reason I didn't make it ten was because of Aaron Rodgers. And I sort of felt stupid saying that because at the same time I was looking on Twitter and he was sitting there in a, in a bathrobe, like <laughs> talking about how it was good that the team got beaten, um, you know, so badly. And that was good for them. They're going to go into Buffalo and no one's going to believe in them. And as crazy as it sounds, cause they look terrible, you know, they were without Randall Cobb. That's going to take some adjusting. They were without David Bakhtiari as well. That is a big loss. So I, I'm not going to totally write them off and, um, you know, say that they can't cover double digits here. But if this is like 40 to 10, I, I don't think I would be surprised. Um, are there any, is there any angle that you have here, Arjun, or are you laying off? I am. I'm, I'm laying off. I think, I think that those are a house, but like, I don't, I don't know if I really learned anything new about the Packers because like the, the I knew the Packers offense sucked or like, wasn't like that good before this game. And but I was like really surprised that their defense was allowing you know the the commanders mm-hmm. to drive drive in and drive out. I mean they had like a forty seven percent success rate on late late downs, which is like a pretty high number, especially given all the investments the Packers made into their secondary and their defensive line. And I mean you know the the Bills are the Bills are a house, so I think I think it's probably best to lay off. But I don't think you can I don't really know how you could back the Packers on the road with the Bills coming off a bye. I mean, uh, as an NFC North guy, Rodgers plus 10.5 points, I it's very, very intriguing. Uh, what, talking about David, David Bakhtiari, the quote from Zach Tom, the rookie who played left tackle today, was like the saddest quote you've ever read. It was like, you see David walking around practice, and you're like, I know I have to stay ready based on how he's walking around practice. Like, we all know, like, you got to be ready. Not sure to laugh at his injury. He's obviously a phenomenal player, one of the highest-paid left tackles in the NFL for a very good reason. But just like the – the way he characterized it was basically like, yeah, you're, you're always, you know, you can be playing at any point. Um, yeah, so I agree. Like 40 to 10 wouldn't shock me, but I'm definitely not laying that many points against Aaron Rodgers. Um, 47 and a half, the total is kind of intriguing because, yeah, the Packers defense on paper, great. In reality, not that great. And then Buffalo, you can kind of run on still this year. Um, you can do some things against them. It could just be such a high-scoring effort from Buffalo um, that they kind of give up some soft touchdowns late. Um, if anything, I would go Green Bay, but I'll, I'll probably stay away as well. Monday night is Cincinnati in Cleveland, Arjun. I made this Bengals minus two and a half. Same here. I made it uh, one and a half. And uh, what is it, Brad? I'm seeing Browns plus three, uh, minus 105 on BetMGM. Wow. Okay. Uh, Arjun, what are you doing here? All right. I have a question. So, like, do you think 
we learned anything new about the Bengals offense against this Falcons secondary? Uh, well, based on the line that I made, the answer is no, right? I mean, they had no yeah. Casey Hayward in this game and then AJ Terrell went down. Um, so, I mean, it was basically us three out there playing corner <laughs> for the Falcons. Yeah, no. And like, that's the thing. Like, I think the Bengals offense had shown signs of growth earlier in the year. Like, they, they had been doing what I thought they should have been doing, which is taking the check downs. But they showed today that they can be explosive whenever the hell they want to. And like that's like that's why I want to back the Bengals here. But I have some worries like the, the Browns heading into this week going to have the at least a top five pressure rate in the NFL. Joe Burrow, you know, has been a little bit better this year, but still like one of the worst quarterbacks of turning pressures in the sacks. Um, and obviously a quarterback's uh, efficiency goes down when he's under pressure. And then on the flip side, I mean, no Logan Wilson, no DJ Reader for the Bengals. Those are their two main run stoppers. And, I mean, Nick Chubb ran for 90 yards today. Like, I think he averaged like 4.8, 4.9 yards per carry. I think the Browns' run game, hopefully if they get Wyatt Teller back, should be able to do whatever they want against this Bengals D. But, like, I, if I had to bet a side, I think I would back the Bengals because I trust their ability to, number one, generate explosive plays at, like, any given point in the game. And number two, um, kind of be more methodical as they've shown at parts uh, this at time this season. Yeah, Brad. so Jamar Chase left early in this game. I don't know if it's necessarily a serious injury or if he's at risk of not playing Monday, but he did leave early. Um, yeah, it's like I'm with you. Like I want to back Cincinnati, but I'm not going to do it. I mean, the Browns are my darling. I've I've said that probably every week, and they came up for us this week. Uh, obviously, the defense also played a lot better, um, which they need. to. Lamar Jackson did nothing today in the air. Uh, pretty much yep. the entire game, and that was that was necessary from Cleveland. So I'm not going to touch it. Though again, the over 47 is intriguing. I know you know primetime overs have been dreadful, but um, you know that that kind of intrigues me a little bit as well. But I'm I'm not touching this spread at, at all. I, I think I will um, bet this one right now. Uh, the, the Falcons suck, you know, and they they suck especially bad when they're when they're losing. I mean it. There is nothing more comical than seeing that they threw the ball at a 47% rate, went down by two scores. The NFL average is 75%. So, you know, they, I mean, they did nothing in that game to, to even test uh, the Bengals here. The Browns were banged up and almost pulled off a victory on the road against the Ravens. So that's, I mean, they actually, you know, showed something today. Whereas the Bengals, even though they romped over uh, the, you know, the Falcons, I, I'm not going to read into that too much. I don't know. You know, Chase, it looked non-contact. Hopefully it's nothing major um, and he's able to play, but it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, they played it safe with their second most valuable asset there. Um, Wyatt Teller, you know, was a big miss for Cleveland, but they still ran well today. So if they get him back, I agree with you. I think it's a big opportunity. Plus you have Miles Garrett against either one of those tackles for Cincinnati. I will take that um to the bank uh as well so i have no idea what the weather is maybe it's a little windy you never know um in cleveland there but i'll take the full three you know uh in a divisional game with the home team that has the far far superior coach uh in stefanski over zach taylor all right uh that is it um another successful guessing lines in the books hopefully we can keep the winning going as a reminder we will write up our favorite early bets that you can see on the PFF app and PFF.com. So you can see all the things that we end up aligning on that we feel most confident about. Um, 
I don't think the Jets will be there this week. The Jets came through for us last week, so we have to uh, we have to thank them. Uh, gentlemen, appreciate you. Members of the printing press, we love you. Thanks for hanging out. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks.